Welcome to Rulers of the World, the podcast where we find inspiration from strong, creative, and brilliant women across the globe. Your host, Nardo Salamayo, talks to scientists, economists, activists, and more about how they are impacting their communities and why women rule the world. All right, we are here with Myra Anubi, journalist and founder of the Ask Mama Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I mean, the world Considering. is a <laughs> down these days. Yeah. It's, it's, so I think we're all doing our best. I know. It's interesting. Like every time you put on the TV, you're watching news, just it's like something new has happened and I, I, I keep telling my husband we're just about six months in, so I'm just wondering what will happen um, for the remainder oh, of the year. But I know. I can't believe we are only six months into this year. It's, you know, normally the year goes by so fast. And this first six months of 2020, it seems like it just won't won't end. Exactly. <laughs> just, exactly. And um, it's, it's become so much more important to just start every conversation with anyone you're talking to with how are you? Because, you know, people might be sick yes. or going through so much. So, yeah. Absolutely. Checking in on each other, I think, has become so much more important mm. in the age of coronavirus. And, you know, now with all of the protests across the globe, I think it's very, very crucial for us to create more community. And that's one thing, you know, that now living in the United States, you know, I grew up in Kenya and you are from Kenya. Exactly. Right? Yes, I, I am. I, I grew up in Kenya. I lived in Kenya got married in Kenya, got a dog in Kenya. So um. <laughs> I love it. Kenya yeah. is home. Exactly. Yes. So I, I actually lived in Kenya for most of my childhood. Um, we moved there for about 10 years. Um, so I came back to the United States when I was fairly late into high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, even all of these years later, Kenya is still home. But it's interesting to me to see the difference in that sense of community that we were talking about. Just um, yes. growing up was so different in Kenya versus the United States, you know. But I, I can see even here in the age of coronavirus, that sense of community is becoming more important to people than it ever has been before. So, um, you know, if anything positive has come out of this uh, era that we're living in, it's the desire for more human connection. That's true. That that is true. And I don't know, it's just going to be interesting to see how much more we will be forced to adapt and the the different ways Mm. that we will actually just come out of this stronger. I, I have a four-year-old and, um, you know, when we're watching TV, she's she's like kind of trying to figure out what all this is about. Um, about maybe a month ago, we had an issue with one of our cars. Yeah, one of our, my husband, the, the car that my husband uses. And we had to get like someone to come in and like throw the car. And uh, she said, what's wrong with the car? And then, you know, daddy was like, yeah, it has a bit of a problem. So they're taking it to the mechanic. And then she said, does the car have coronavirus? Um, <laughs> and you know, I just I wonder like when she's like in her twenties, she'll be talking about how oh I know she was in a pandemic and she's just gone back to school actually yesterday. They just opened up the schools here and it's been oh, okay. so much change for her as well, just with the virus moving yes. to a new country for a bit and mm-hmm. so many other things happening. But but um we continue to embrace embrace the change and just see how well we can yes. adapt to it really. 
Yes, yes, we we have to, we have to, you know, that's the only way to move forward. But it is interesting to see, you know, how the world is going to, you know, continue to change and progress. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Now you um, have a background in journalism, correct? Yes, I I've been. I will say a radio journalist for almost ten years. I mean, it started with, uh, you know, you start, uh, you climb the ladder. Um, I started as a content producer, and I pretty much started working when I was still um, in university. I worked in Tanzania for East Africa Radio, and then okay. um, I even managed like the university radio station. Um, and then, yeah, I found an opportunity also. Um, within the area that I was living in, I started on radio. I started doing the the midnight shifts, and then, um, you know, because people actually enjoyed what I was saying, um, you know, they moved me to different shows. But yeah, I've spent time. I started as a content producer, then a radio journalist, and then you know, uh, just being a presenter. I then became a programming manager. So essentially, I know a lot about radio. But even in that space, um, you know, as you continue to develop and changes happen, you have babies, you have a husband. I just went through so much within that time in my personal life that made me appreciate that even with the platform that I had on radio or with the way that I was interacting with people, I just felt like I wanted to do more for them. So, yes, my background is in uh, journalism, although now um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to help people in my community and kind of do more for them. So that's where the Ask Mama Foundation was kind of born out of was your, you know, desire and experience to help women who are going through, you know, similar experiences to yourself. Yes. Um, I mean, just to explain a bit, uh, back in 2014, um, I lost my mom. Mm, I'm and uh, I lost my mom to cancer. Yeah. Uh, I remember it was a Tuesday and exactly one week later, I was rushed to hospital in like excruciating pain. And, you know, I just, I really, I felt like I had a bug or something. And then, you know, they do so many tests. I didn't understand what was wrong. I just thought they do like one or two tests mm-hmm. and go like, like the Kenyan way, sorry to say, they send you home with like painkillers or anti-malaria drugs. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, they told me two things. They told me I had, I needed like a procedure done immediately because I seem to have a blockage um, somewhere uh, in my body, in my urethra. And then they said I also needed, uh, oh, sorry, when he was telling me all of this, he he then announced that, you know, don't worry, the baby's okay. And I asked him, what baby? Wow. <laughs> uh, so that's how I found out, like, I was pregnant with my first child. And wow. It was exactly one week after I had lost my mom. So... I went and this was your first child. My first child. I was young. I was like, you know, just the height of my young career. Um, you know, when you feel like everything is going so well for you. And then sure. almost immediately after everything starts to crumble. And I was really confused. And, you know, sometimes we imagine going to university, having that kind of exposure will help you deal with like your personal life. Cause I feel like when we go through different stages um, in, let me say, as far as education is concerned, they equip you for what to do maybe in the office or how to make sure that you move from A to B to Z, sorry, and you're able to, you know, impress your employers maybe, but like they don't really equip you on what to 
do with your personal life and especially for women um i've really interacted with so many women young women like in universities and college some who have to defile just really stop their education because they got pregnant and unfortunately it's different for young women when they get pregnant um than it is for men men somehow it's easier for you to kind of continue with your education even if you are of course supporting uh your partner but for for women sure. things sometimes just come to a standstill um i was fortunate enough by the time uh, i found out about my first pregnancy i was working but i was so confused i didn't know very many things i had google but google can be extreme you know one minute they tell you yeah you have a headache the next minute they tell you you know it might be cancer you might be dying sure um, sure so sure i really it's 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 crazy so i just having gone through this period where mm-hmm. i didn't know anything about pregnancy i didn't know anything just about the whole you know maternity period before during and after um and then i didn't have the one person who i could just go back and reach out to because i was very close to my mother um and i just i didn't have the luxury to go like mom you know uh, i have headaches my feet are swollen what should i do so that right. really is where my journey with ask mama started i really wish i could ask my mama basically um all these questions and just kind of have her with me through the journey so um yeah that's that's how it started Wow, that is very powerful. You know, I, I also am very close to my mom and I can't, you know, imagine especially it being your first child and yes. in the process, you're in the midst of your grieving process and to find out that you're pregnant in such a jarring way, you know, I'm yeah. sure that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. wow. And, but I think it's important for women to, yeah. especially and, in Africa, mm-hmm. to be able to support each other because I think, you know, in the West, I think there is so much more access to information. And I think it's it's mm. much more, I guess, normalized here to be a woman who works, yes. a woman who goes to school. If there still is that stigma of, you know, women, yes. you know, get pregnant, needing to stop their lives. But I think it's so much more magnified exactly. In, exactly. in developing nations. So, it, you know, I think it's women have are uniquely positioned to be that support system for other women who don't necessarily have that in their families. You know, I think so too. And it's been interesting to see, like when I reach out, because one of the things we do or we've started is a a mentorship program. We actually started it this year. And with that program, what I do is we have these women that you're talking about, women who've gone through things, whether it's professionally or personally, and we take them into these different groups or institutions in the community. And they just have these, they have a few minutes where they share. You know, for, for many women, we we only see the, the beautiful side, the side with makeup, the side where they're standing mm. on stages, talking and all of that. But the, the women that we use for the mentorship program have been handpicked because they are willing, number one, to share their personal stories, but they also seem to appear like they're doing so well professionally and so many times we look up to these women they ask you oh who's your mentor who do you want to be like when you grow up and all you see is that professional side the side that's making money the side that looks like it has everything together um Mm -hmm. so when we have these women going to these different groups and just speak to the young girls they start by saying yes this is what i'm doing professionally this is my business this is how you know i'm making money uh but this, this is what you don't know you know and what you don't know is right. that I got pregnant when I was young. 
What you don't know is that I was abused when I was younger so that you can see that there are different sides to this coin that looks so shiny um, and just mm. how, how powerful it is that even for these different women who have gone through all of this, they're able to kind of fight their way out of it. And even for you, let's say, if you get pregnant when you're younger, um, it doesn't mean that it's the end for you, you know? This is how she was able right. to break through and make it to where she was. And then there are just so many other issues that come up. Like um, just to mention, uh, one of the things that we've realized, especially with younger women now, is that they really, they use contraceptives, but they don't understand what's best for them. This is in Kenya. Mm. I'll, I'll use Kenya, especially some of the regions um, I've lived in, to just explain that. You know, especially in these institutions, it's so easy to go and get like, um, you know, the P2s, the, the emergency pill. And some of yes. some girls are really popping these things like, I don't know, you know, it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they're using it like it's birth control. Exactly. Right? And you don't understand the repercussions later. We have women who come in and say, I did this as well. And now like I'm having a difficult time um, having a baby now. So just to hear... Mm the other side of these women's lives and not just like, and it's, it's so powerful to see. We always start these sessions with like people laughing. We have the icebreakers. By the time we're done, one of the biggest problems we have is we, we go into like another hour and women are crying. <laughs> people need like counseling and it, but it's just, it's so, it's, it's, it's crazy to see how much, we as women, if we continue to reach out, and I don't even just mean reaching out by giving money. Sometimes maybe you're not in a position to give money, but your time, if you can share that experience so that you can help someone else um, yes. come out of whatever situation they're in or help them make a decision, just one small decision. It could be just a decision that means just don't go to his house today. Just that one right. small decision that that can completely change the course of their lives. Um, so yeah, we yes, we yes. we are in a really special position to do that for younger women as as we share our own personal experiences. Yes, I think the personal experiences is so important, and I think um, you know I I know that the the continent is changing, and I see mm -hmm. that women are are the the culture surrounding women and feminism and young people is changing drastically from when I grew up there. You know, I was living there in the 90s and the yes. 90s and early 2000s. But um, one thing, you know, how much does the cultural stigma surrounding, you know, sex and pregnancy and all of that play into the lack of understanding for young women about things like contraceptives, about different types of, you know, questions that they may have about pregnancy? How much of the cultural stigma surrounding that really impacts this yes. challenge? So uh, I wouldn't, I'd like to say it's an African thing, but let me just stick to Kenya because there's this expectation that, um, especially I think the older generation has of you that you're supposed to go to school, get a job, get married. You know, there's like this um, formula or there's, there's supposed to be steps that you yeah. follow um, to be successful or to be considered successful in the society. Now, yes. one of the things that, that happens is, of course, if you get pregnant um, somewhere along the way, like for me, actually, I, I saw this firsthand. 
forget the fact that I was working. I had money. I had my own place. Um, you know, I wasn't just the fact that I wasn't married um, was an issue. And, and because of that, sure. it was like, I too felt like ostracized from my immediate community. Let me talk about like, I, I just had my dad then and, you know, just the people who you feel should be closest to you, those aunties that you see during Christmas. Yeah. It was like, she's pregnant, you know, and, and you feel that awkwardness and you feel the stigma when you go to different places. Um, and because of this, it's, it's even leading to um, abortions that are not safe, you know, because people just mm. feel it's, it's considered to be one of those things. Oh my gosh, when I get pregnant, my life will stop, right? And then yes. what's even worse is that because of the stigma, you don't feel comfortable enough to reach out for help, to, to try and understand like, what's happening to you. So you're basically just winging it. This is obviously if you decide to go, yes. to go ahead with it. And um, I share so many stories of women who ended up you know, just going along with their pregnancies, but they, didn't, they were misinformed or they just didn't have anyone there to kind of equip them tell you you need to take um, supplements, so what you need to do. Some of them realize, okay, I'm pregnant, so I need to work, work, make money. But just because of working and working, you stress your body. Next thing you know, you've had, um, mm. yeah, you've had a miscarriage. So we, we have this gap that really exists that's so bad because of the cultural beliefs and, you know, the traditional way of how life should be lived the stages you're supposed to go through as a woman. And even because of that, and because of, you know, popping the emergency pill and such things, you find that later on in life, these things come to bite you because later on you're married, you're trying to get pregnant, your body is completely messed up because of the decisions that you made at a younger age. So the, the, the pressure that comes, and especially from the older generation um, really does affect the decisions that younger women make. Um, I, I have, uh, yeah, I have a story about like a lady who's in her thirties and, you know, she just doesn't go to see her parents anymore. She's not pregnant. She has no child or anything, but like she doesn't go home anymore because when she goes to see her parents, it's not about how are you, we've missed you. It's about, when are you bringing a man home, you know, or it's about, uh, <laughs> I want to introduce you to a friend's son from church or something. Just because the, their generation was kind of beaten into thinking that this is the way that life should be lived. And there's, there's just so many changes happening. And um, what we're trying to do, I mean, it's just like, a, it's a drop. Uh, what we're doing is just basically, it's... Um, more can be done, let me put it that way. But the little we are doing, we believe is helping just to, to reach out and show women that it's, it's kind of yeah. this link that they can use to find out information without fear, without, you know, that, that stigma. Um, and that's why yeah. we have this mobile application that's, that's just reaching out to women. And there are more things we're doing. We also have the podcast. We also have the mentorship program. And we're looking into other ways that we can help young women um, so that especially their education kind of isn't cut off and they can continue to, to just, you know, continue their lives. Um, um, if yes. at all they are pregnant or they're having issues and they just can't go back home and talk to their mothers for one reason right. or another or reach out to someone who can help them. 
You know, I love that it is um, in a mobile app and having the podcast and making it digital because I think, like you said, with the stigma that is attached to pregnancy, to, you know, merit or sex out of wedlock, all of these things, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so crucial to be able to have a judgment-free zone where women don't have to worry about how they're going to be perceived by seeking out that information and by making it digital you really have yeah. removed that initial fear that women might have to be able to find out information but you know i don't think that it is a little thing that you're doing <laughs> you know of course i think more can be done yes but i think but i think you know it always starts with a place of connection human connection exactly I think Mm. If we we have these cultural stigmas that have it all over the globe, you know, it's not unique to any one nation, you know, the patriarchy that has existed for so many generations has put women in a box. And, you know, the only way for women to get out of that box is to see other women doing what we dream yeah, to do, you know, and then having that human connection is so important for making any kind of change. You know, you see it even, you know, today with, you know, race relations, with, you know, yeah. misogyny, with, you know, um, the stigma around, you know, rape and the shame and being able to come forward. Any, yes. Anything that requires change. I think now you're starting to see, you know, and I, I believe that it coincides with, the digital age for a reason, because I think access to information has made it easier for men and women to be able to share their stories. And were it not for us to be able to hear those stories and see those stories with our own eyes and ears, I don't think the changes would be happening as rapidly as they are today. So, you know, let me ask with it being a mobile application. Was that the main reason for you going that route was to remove the stigma or, you know, was there some other thought process behind that? So um, let me say that with, um, well, I had my first child and that that was like the experience I had. And then of course I got married now officially I had the second one and I I had two very different, Mm -hmm. um, let me say, I have two very different pregnancy stories because of my second one, I went through some kind of, a, a bit of post, you know, I, I was depressed, let me just say, after the second pregnancy. So mm-hmm. I was able to experience okay. so many things. And, um, you know, it it started with reaching out to, to women through a vlog. I, I had a vlog where I would just tell them uh, or share my, my own personal experiences, being a young mom, being a young wife, and give my two cents about how one or two things can be done. But then I also realized I had this, at this time, at this stage, I was still working on radio and I, I realized I still had the platform on radio. But it was such a tug of war um, to try and like push my agenda on this platform because of course, you know, the station was a business it needed to make money. They had discussed a way in which they wanted to do their shows. And here I was coming in as a programming manager, um, talking to people who are in an entertainment industry about how it's important to give information as much as we entertain. And mm-hmm. I was really, it, it was, in fact, I think the last two years, it was really um, a case of fighting to kind of put some message out there 
then I I just felt that it was time to try and do more. And I remember uh, while I was still at the station, I attended this event uh, by a guy called Babu Sinyoni, also from Africa, he's from Zimbabwe, and he's he's uh, very much into tech. If anyone is in the tech space, they've probably um, encountered him. And he came from nothing, and he started uh, mobile applications, and he he basically he's self taught uh, as far as coding and everything is concerned. But wow. Babusi helped me understand that you don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be have studied uh, all of this to actually make a difference. You don't have to have come from. I don't have to be, you know, like in this space of coding. I don't have to have gone to university for it. It, it basically helped me understand that from. From nothing, if you're passionate about something and if you really mean to, to do something and make a change, that you can. Um, so he spoke about how he started his journey and how far it's taken him. And the entire time I was thinking, is there a way, another way I could actually reach out to women? Now, we did a bit of research um, with a friend of mine. And we sat down and we we saw that, like, of course, technology is something that's really picking up in Africa and in Kenya with yes. almost a 91 penetration rate of smartphone usage. And this coupled by the fact that, um, you know, the internet providers are increasing. Um, you have sure. like, yeah, you have the price of just having a smartphone now is cheaper than it was before. There are just so many options in the market as well. And it's kind of one of those things that, you know, if I don't have a smartphone, I desire to have a smartphone, you know. Um, so what I was thinking is not even just for now. It's something that I know eventually will reach out to so many people just because technology is, it's the future, you know. Yes. And yes, it really is. Yeah, I I wanted a platform where I could reach out to more people. Um, and that's why I looked into the mobile application. So essentially, yes, part of it is to serve as a platform where you can be anonymous, you can ask questions and you can get help from wherever you are. That's the other thing. You're not like limited on location, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you have your phone, you can access the app and it doesn't, it's just as simple as using Facebook or WhatsApp even. It's, it's, we've tried to keep the interface, the user interface as simple as possible, as friendly as possible. And we continue to work on it based on the feedback that we get, just to make sure that we are helping people with it as much as possible. Um, so part of it is to reach out to people from a larger location. Like I, I hope to roll it out to even other countries later because Everyone gets pregnant. Everyone is experiencing these issues in different places. So we want to slowly continue rolling it out in other places. So it was a case of providing this platform that's safe, that's anonymous, that is also a platform where you're getting quality information. Uh, And like what we talked about earlier, where, you know, you can go to different people, go to different websites, and you're just kind of lost with so much information out there. We're kind of making sure that we're providing you with quality information. And then lastly, the, the beauty of this app is that we are in a stage where we are linking our users with healthcare providers. So as I speak right now, we're trying to attach different healthcare providers, especially people in the NGO world um, who come on board. And the app uses AI technology. So at some point, it's able to ask you, do you need me to 
would you like me to call someone who can help you or give you further advice based on the issue that you have? So at that point, the fact that we are able to link people up with someone else who can further help you uh, find out where you are possibly, you know, for some people, maybe you actually just need to see a gynecologist and you can't afford to do it. Uh, But there are organizations out here who have gynecologists who are trying to reach out also to women. So we're kind of also um, linking people up with quality healthcare and quality information. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where you have the passion for something, you have the idea, and then it just kind of grows and grows. And I sometimes feel that like when you feel or you can see doors opening towards what you want to do, it's such a big sign that whatever you're doing is necessary, it's needed. Um, yes. And, and that it is actually helping and empowering other people as well. So yes, so it, it's for all those reasons and many more actually um, that we continue to just try and reach out primarily through the mobile application. But we have so many plans. One of the things we want to do is set up um, daycares in universities and in institutions. Oh, I love that. That is yeah. so important. Exactly. So So that, you know, if you're a student and you have a lecture that's going to be two hours, you can actually just go leave uh, your child at the daycare and like just there. It's like, I don't know. Right. And many universities here in the United States have that. But I, you know, I remember when I was in university here in Mm -hmm. the U.S., um, I went to a school that had a lot of um, working um, adults who had kids and they had a daycare on campus for both faculty and students. And I remember walking past it and I remember thinking, you know, my father was a, a graduate professor in Kenya mm-hmm. when I was uh, young and I don't ever remember there being you know some big push for childcare on university campuses and mm-hmm. you know I remember when I was in university walking by and thinking wow I wonder how mothers you know <laughs> deal with this back yeah. home because it, it just never even dawned on me until I actually saw a, a, a daycare on my campus and I it really just like, like, wow, that's... Yeah, really and that, that should be something that's just like, it should be something that's simple mm-hmm. and, um, yes. but it they just, they don't exist. So most, for most women in, in Kenya, when they get pregnant, they defer, they, they just put their studies aside for a while. And, you know, it's, it's worse when like you're cut off uh, from, your family just kind of cuts off and they don't give you fees anymore. So it just becomes a bigger problem for you. So you right. kind of, some defer just like indefinitely. There are people who have not even finished their education because of this. You just start working and the system gets you and there there you right. go. So Yeah, yeah. And it's unfortunate because I think, you know, educating women is still not a societal priority. And I think that's in the majority of the world, you know, not just yes, Virginia, but yes. Um, you know, that's, that's really changing that narrative of, you know, it being equally important. And I think in, um, in Kenya and other African countries, I think the growing economies has forced these countries to look within themselves and say, you know, we need more professional people. We need more people to be educated and women are part of that. And there are many single mothers who need to put food on the table and not educating those women is opening a door to poverty for their family, which is only going to create more of a burden on society. So 
you know, it really is for everyone's benefit to create programs like daycare and, and all of that for women to be able to get education and also to be able to work full-time professional careers and pursue their dreams. You know, it's, um, it's, it's really important. And I think exactly. You know, yeah. And just kind of to add on to that, you know, one of the things we're also doing with this mentorship program is, um, teaching women about self-care, um, and just the power behind self-care because mm. sometimes we we tend to forget about ourselves, especially young women, mothers as well. And you kind of get lost in this, you know, in everyone else's expectations for you. You're supposed to be cooking, cleaning, doing all these things, and you just kind of get lost in all of that. And just the power behind knowing that you can't be... Um, uh, at the top of everything, like 100% professionally, let's say, if you're not okay personally and just trying to teach and equip people of how they can take care of themselves and taking care of yourself uh, could mean taking a walk, could mean reading a book, could mean right. you know, just doing some exercise. And what we try and do, one of the things we, we really stand for is solutions that don't cost you anything, you know, like some people assume you have to go to the gym to exercise when this is something you can do from the comfort of your home. Just even taking right. a walk is very cheap, but it can do so much for you, for your mind. Um, so we are trying to also see how we can contribute towards um, women understanding at such an early age that they have to be able to, you know, be at their top professionally, but personally as well. And personally, that means taking time for you to understand and be be with yourself and just appreciate the kind of person right. that you are and take time to do things for yourself. Things that don't even cost money, but they do so much for you. And then, you know, if your mind is okay, if you feel happy, if you feel healthy, it just kind of flows into all other aspects of your life, whether you're a mother, whether you are a CEO, um, you know, whether you're just leading the community watch group in your area, you just kind of end up being at your best on all other levels, but it does start with you. And and also for young women, when they understand how important this is for them, they are again better equipped to make decisions. Um, and, and decisions. Yes, that, and they make those decisions from a healthy mindset. Exactly, yes. exactly. Because that's the other thing, university or this this stage that we're trying to deal or the, the needs that they have, there's really so much pressure. Um, there's pressure to perform at that stage. That there's this pressure to to find a job immediately. You finish, and you know all this pressure can just sometimes make you crumble, and you're not seeing the stages of you you kind of just getting lost or feeling overwhelmed. So it's it's so yeah. powerful to see just how that these there's a gap. There's a gap professionally. Institutions are doing a, a wonderful job in equipping them, but is a gap and if your personal life doesn't the, the the kind of time that you're investing in your professional life is it's not the same in your personal life there'll always be that gap there'll always be just right. this thing that just does not add up so it's kind of also a way of making sure that we equip them in that sense so that when they do come out here and they're working and they're meeting different people interacting whether they have children or not they know how to take care of themselves first and then they're better placed to take care of other people as well. I uh, completely agree with that. And I think it's important for young women like yourself to be able to add to that conversation because I think 
we all were raised by a generation of women who didn't have as many opportunities outside of the home as what we have. And I think, you know, the culture again was really just focus 100% on your family. Even to this day, you know, my mother is, you know, a wonderful, wonderful mother. She's always sacrificed for our whole family and, you know, for my dad as well. And I see sometimes even to this day as an adult, she always puts herself on the back burner and she doesn't take time for herself. And you know, she has three adult children now who are out of the house. And still, you know, it's very difficult for her to, you know, stop and say, yeah. you know, what what do I need for my own mental health? Because she's just been for so many years, she's been thinking about what we need for our mental health. And yes. it's hard for her to separate that, you know, yes. even all of these years and later. I mean- I'll tell you this for free. Even for me at this age, it's it's something I have to fight. And I think I fight with that every day just because I'm aware of it. Like, I, I'm aware that you have to do something for you, you know? You have to just take five minutes and, and make yeah. sure that you are okay because it's really easy. And I wouldn't blame her, like you say, because she's lived this way all her life. She knows no other way. But if you understand and purposely decide that I'm going to be making time for myself and I'm going to be, um, I'll, I'll invest in myself. And th- that's a problem. Most times people think investing means money. It, it doesn't mean that you have to like, you know, pay for a course and go do something in that line. It could just mean, you know, just having a nap. <laughs> that too yeah because you're tired absolutely yeah so yeah it- and I tell her all the time she you know she works from home now and and I tell her you know you have to take 10 minutes and just walk around the block you know just to clear your head and you know get the more blood flow to your brain and just like be able to unplug for just that 10 minutes it can make a huge difference on your mental and physical health you know yes just, it, it really can but you know it's it's also that attitude, I think, and that cultural stigma that somehow a mother, you know, is less if she focuses on herself and that she somehow is taking away from her children by doing that. And I think that is the, the narrative that young women really need to change, that you're not any less of a mother and that your children are not suffering by you taking that 10 minutes. Yeah. And I always say um, self-care is not the same as selfish. It's it's something that we Amen. we really need to fight to understand that you taking care of yourself does not make you selfish. It's It's so important to kind of, it's one of those things you need to say to yourself constantly, like, because sometimes I, I'll take a walk and I'll come back and I'll see dishes and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I should have washed these before I left. But the fact that I, I just decided to take some time for me, I feel fresh, I've come back, I have more energy to just kind of do what needs to be done. So it's one thing that women need to understand that self-care is not selfish. And this doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you're young, you're older, you can still start to take care of yourself now. And it's not selfish. If anything, it just gives you more energy um, to just do more things. You just kind of, you're happier really and and you're healthier both mentally and physically and even emotionally you know yes yes i i totally agree and i think it's going to take 
you know, a couple of generations to get to that point. Because I think, you know, like you and myself, we were raised by wonderful mothers. We were very close to, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, we as women tend to compare ourselves to our mothers. And I think because our mothers had to sacrifice so much more of their own, you know, goals and, and, what they wanted for themselves. I think it's hard to get out of that mentality because it is so deep in our subconscious. And, you know, I think it'll take time, but it's to start the conversation somewhere, you know, and I think uh, the Mm -hmm. Ask Mama Foundation is definitely um, making strides in that direction. And I think having the mobile application and having access to the information is important, but I think coupling it with the mentorship program, because those women who are being fed by their mentors are then going to turn around and feed the younger generation as well, you know, as they grow older and, and more accomplished and have life experiences. Yeah. And um, just, just to, slowly, to, to add something small there. Um, the other thing I would challenge any mothers, especially who are listening is just as we continue to talk about like breaking that, that cycle of women just feeling that they need to be everything else for everyone else except themselves is we grew up, just as you've said, of your mother, myself, with my mother. Um, we grew up watching our mothers. We see what they do. We, we want to be like them, you know. Um, and mm. because of that, if you as a mother never show your daughter that it's okay to take a nap when you're tired or it's okay to, to have mommy time as well, to do self-care, um, she will grow up understanding that it's not okay. So if you're not doing it just for you, you also understand, you have to understand that you're doing it for your kids as well because Mm. they kind of grow up um, knowing the examples that they see from home. So I grew up, maybe I always saw my mom working and it's so hard for me to understand that I need to take a break because it's kind of been imprinted in my mind that I always have to be working, that I always, and this is why most of the people in our generation will always say we never saw our mom take a break. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for us now to understand that we need to do it for ourselves. And hopefully with our kids, they'll be able to see or understand um, as we continue to try and do it for ourselves. The other thing I, I wanted to say um, is, you know, with Ask Mama, we interact with so many young women who are unable to speak to their mothers because they're either embarrassed or they just don't share that kind of relationship with their moms. And mm. I know that it's probably harder for men to do this. Um, but I really, really just want to just request mothers or just kind of um, just help them understand how important it is to create these relationships with their children where they can talk about anything so that, you know, if your child is having sex, you should, number one, not be embarrassed to say the word sex with your child. And if they're mm. having sex, they should understand from an early age or whatever age that they're in that they should be comfortable enough to come and ask you questions. and and comfortable enough to come and tell you, I need help. I'm not okay. You know, we need to get to a point as mothers where we create that kind of environment for our kids so that they're not going everywhere else for for answers. And they're Mm -hmm. not kind of just trying to wing it. As I said earlier, they know that there's a safe space for them to go back and ask these questions. And, you know, as a mother, I think that's that's one thing that we need to become better at doing. I don't blame uh, our parents before us because that's how they were raised as well. But yes. if we don't create that for our kids, knowing all that we do now and with all the exposure that they, they have or will have even, 
if we don't create that environment, that safe space where they can come and talk to us as mothers, then, then we will have failed in that sense. So we have no excuse now for not trying to create that for our kids. It's, it's very important that your kids should be able to come to you uh, before they go yeah. to anyone else. It really is. And I think, you know, with our parents' generation and even in our generation, I think there is, mm. you know, the, the reality is that there are negative consequences to sex, but the consequences are so much greater if yes. you are not able to find correct information. Yes. Know, young people who are having sex anyway mm. without the right mm-hmm. information, mm-hmm. those consequences are so much worse than doing it safely. So, you know, it, it's it's difficult for older generations, I think, to find that balance of not giving your children permission to, you know, have sex freely, but also making sure that they are going to be safe if they do choose to do so. And, and I think as any parent, it's difficult to strike that balance of you know, yes. how do I shield my children? Exactly, also, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's it's difficult, but I mean, as we that's the other thing. There's there's really no formula um, for this, but as best as you can, as much as you can. And I think, I mean, I'm also a young mom, but I I feel like when you start early, as early as you can, um, even now, however old your child may be, just by you making that decision to start and just to start like creating that space where you can have those conversations. And a lot of this also comes from you sharing your own experiences, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it makes our kids or it makes the kids comfortable enough to just kind of want to share with yeah. you their own yeah. experiences. That's another, that's another cultural issue though, I think, is yeah. that, um, you know, most, um, you know, my family is Ethiopian, but um, I think it's the same thing of parents not wanting to share their mistakes with their mm-hmm. children because mm-hmm. there is that sense of, you know, I think there's just that distance in between parents and kids that is different in most mm-hmm. African cultures where they, they want to be stern, they want you to respect them, they want you to look up to them and they don't want you to know any of the flaws from their past. And I think taking that stigma away and knowing that your children are not going to love or respect you any less if you share your own personal story with them and you're not creating a sense of fear in them, you're really allowing them to feel comfortable and closer to you is is really crucial. It's yes. Really crucial. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate you sitting with us and and it's really eye-opening to see, to hear about your personal experience. Um, I think that you have impacted a lot of women just even in this conversation of um, understanding the more global issue of what women go through during pregnancy mm. and how mm. how each of us has a responsibility to impact women in our own communities and our own families. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I hope that we get to touch base with you again as the program and foundation grows and yes. you know, we hope to see it across the globe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be so exciting. Um I just really would also like to say as I finish that uh, we we are all shaped by our personal experiences. So, you know, for me, maybe it was pregnancy and just being a young mom and the circumstances in which I became a young mom. But I mean, everyone or anyone who's listening to this has their own personal experiences. 
And if you mm. can use that experience in a positive way, no matter how negative it might have been, um, you never know who you two can can reach out to um, in whatever way. So like, I think we just should not run away from our personal experiences. We should see how we can use them to kind of improve the, the space that we're in and the community that, that we live in, really. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for those words and and for your example and um, for your organization. And, and we hope to definitely follow your journey further and uh, to hear some of the stories from um, the mentors and the mentorees yes. <laughs> your organization and, and be able to use that as a platform for, you know, growing this discussion about, um, you know, the, the journey that all women go through. So yes. thank you so much. Thank you as well for reaching out and um, just for the time and for taking interest in Ask Mama. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah, of course. Of course. Anytime, anytime. Will you and your family please stay safe and healthy and yes. uh, you know, keep, keep us posted on your journey? I will. I will. You do as well. And uh, for everyone else who's listening in as well, stay safe. And yeah, I hope everyone is doing okay also mentally. So check up on each other. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media and drop a review on our channel. Check back weekly for new episodes. We'll see you then.